0: Good evening and welcome to That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. I'm Nathan Owens and I'm in the studio with Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Good evening, Pastor Murphy.
1: Good evening, well, Nathan.
0: This evening for our topic, we're going to continue where we left off last week in discussing the topic of pornography. Pastor, as I was doing further reading today and throughout the last week, And looking at more up-to-date statistics on pornography and pornography use, I am becoming more and more convinced that pornography plays a major role in the downward spiral of society as a whole. Now, before you turn off the radio, and let me encourage you that... Things that are shared tonight will not only allow you to fight the temptation of pornography, but will also allow you to help your friends fight against this life-dominating, life-destroying temptation of pornography. Pastor Murphy, we have a question that has come in from the UK via WhatsApp. The question is, I know pornography is not a healthy act, but wouldn't you say that a person who commits this act is a very dishonest one and is just deceiving him or herself and the others with the list of the flesh.
1: I think the person meant the lust of the flesh. Uh, I I would agree with what the person is saying because all sin is deception. And there's no question that uh, because pornography is so private and so available and nobody really seems to, to know exactly who is engaged in pornography, I think that person um, must have a guilt complex. As long as that person has the Holy Spirit indwelling them, they're aware of the Word of God, Um, it is almost impossible that a person would not come under conviction that what they're doing is absolutely wrong. As a matter of fact, the reason why they're doing it in secret and private, generally, um, um, augurs the fact that they're actually aware that this is something that's wrong. And this is just one of the, 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 what the Bible calls the works of the flesh. So I do agree that this person is, is they're dishonest. It's something they're hiding. Sometimes they uh, they don't want their friends to know. They don't even want their partner to know uh, what's going on. But I agree that it's it's a deceptive form of uh, sin of the flesh, and it's a dishonest form of practicing illicit adultery um, without allowing the partner to know that. Let me just make one other comment. Brother Nathan mentioned that he is, uh, uh, having done the statistics and looked at the information that is available, that it's one of the major social ills in society and affects society on a large scale. I am of the opinion that the major problem in the modern church, um, I think this is eaten out the heart of the church. Um, I think it is 40% of the pastors that were, a survey was done admitted to the fact that they view uh, pornography. Now, if the pastors are watching pornography, you can very well imagine what's going on in the pew. So imagine the God in heaven sitting on his throne, a holy God, looking down on planet Earth, and seeing this pervasive form of adultery uh, being embraced not only by pastors, but by the common person in the pulpit. Um, uh, This gives you an idea, uh, somewhat, of why there is no revival why there's no power in the church there's a lot of this kind of evil secretly going on being practiced in the homes uh, by uh, pastors by lay people and god is grieved the holy spirit is grieved and he has withdrawn his presence and withdrawn his power, and we are all wondering, uh, as I do sometimes, why is so much preaching being done, why is so much work being done, but yet so little fruit, so little results. I am of the opinion that a lot of it um, relates to this whole problem of pornography that is so pervasive within the church, especially, I would say, as well, among the young people. And um, uh, what might might shock you that Married men, are, in terms of the adult population, they are the main culprits in this regard. Uh, And I think this is a real problem, not only in society, I think it's a problem in the church.
0: Here's some up-to-date statistics. I don't know if you're familiar with the Barner Research Group. Yes, I am. And they did, in the last uh, five or six years, they did a study among 432 pastors and 338 youth pastors in the United States. They found that 57% of the pastors and 64% of the youth pastors surveyed had succ- succumbed to pornography, either currently or in the past, and that is according to CBN News and the Barner Research Group. Uh, very sobering statistics. Yeah,
1: It's interesting when you read the book of 2 Peter, it, it talks about um, the false teachers entering the church, and one of the major planks that they use within the church is to deceive people sexually. Peter is very, very strong in that regard, and I I really think that we're in the final phase. This is the terminal generation, and I think the church has found itself in in a, a real moral dilemma where it needs to speak authentically to the world, but there is so much of the same corruption within the church. Uh, its voice has almost become mute. It's lost the respect of the uh, the population. Generally speaking, it's a very sad situation we find ourselves in. It's it, it's interesting also in the book of Revelation that in each case he addresses seven churches, but he only has one message for the churches. That's to repent. Now we generally speak repentance to the person who is not saved, but read our Lord's um, me- final message to the churches. And you'll find that, again, he says to them, repent, repent, repent. He could see where the church was headed. And, of course, we're in the the Laodicean age, which is the final phase. And uh, that church, in particular, uh, read it for yourself. It's a materialistic church, but also a church that is known for its sensuality and its evil.
0: What do you think of this statistic, Pastor? This is, again, from the Barner Research Group. 29% of born-again adults in the United States feel it is morally acceptable to view movies with explicit sexual behavior?
1: What has happened, and I think we have now reached a stage in society where we become totally desensitized. The media has been working uh, tireless, tirelessly um, to wear down our resistance to um, to pornography, to illicit sex acts, etc., they've been gradually introducing it in phases. When we first see um, anything that was explicit, we were shocked. But then they kept pushing it, and it came in movies that we would generally like. So even though we might not watch a pornographic movie, we might want to watch a, um, a detective, we might want to watch a war, and they make sure that that comes into it. So rather than uh, not view the movie, we are just saying, well, it's just a small part of it. But what we haven't <laughs> realized is that the more we're exposed um, to this salacious stuff, and uh, it is gradually wearing down our sensitivity to the point where we no longer feel the 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 the, uh, the the pinch of conscience any longer. Uh, so it's been a systematic attempt to wear us down, and it, they've been very very successful. Mainly because we have now into the entertainment phase, where everything is about entertainment, and um, we have not been judicious in the use of our time. We've not been careful uh, in managing uh, uh, what we watch. And um, you t- let me use another example. Take cuss words. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard one; um, I was shocked that it would be allowed on on, on, on uh, television. But now, uh, there's certain actors, by the way, I would never watch uh, because they seem to want to um, uh, basically they want to shock everybody by using a lot of expletives, four-letter words, and um, so you know. But again, you can you can you can you can get so desensitized to these things that you no longer feel the, 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 the pinch that comes or should have come uh, with them, and it's been a systematic way of de- de- desensitizing us, I think it's been very effective, and that's why we got these kind of statistics that you've got there.
0: So how do we resensitize? As a believer who has begun, I think if we were are all honest, to some degree we've all become desensitized, how do we resensitize ourselves to those biblical standards?
1: Well, a lot depends on how serious we are, right uh, Are we willing to cut out I- entertainment? Are we willing to get real serious with God? Are we willing to make any sacrifice today? People want what is convenient uh, they 're not concerned about sacrifice, pain, and you 're not going to have a, a people that are morally and uh, moral and holy without making some kind of sacrifice. Uh, that means that you have to shut off certain uh, programs. Uh, For some people, it might mean getting rid of the television. For others, it might mean getting rid of the computer. But when you speak in these kind of terms, people say, but we're living in the modern age. But if this is what is corrupting you and it's not helping you spiritually, you know, Jesus talked about um, radical amputation. If your right hand offend you, cut it off, your foot cut, whatever it is, if your eye pluck it out. He's asking us to act radically. Of course, this is not saying literally cut off your hand, literally cut off your foot, basically. But uh, he's talking about the radical amputation that's required, and sometimes we have to be willing uh, to take some drastic measures. I would say we have to shut off the sewage that's coming into our minds. We've got to transform the mind. The only way to transform the mind is through the Word of God, get back into the Word of God, get back into serious prayer, intercession. But uh, we have to be selective uh, these days to what we watch, Um, and make sure that um, we reverse this thing. But it's not going to be able to reverse without some kind of cost. We want quick fixes. It's not going to happen with a quick fix. Uh, We're going to have to make some sacrifice, like people made in the past, and shut off these things and get back into the Word, get back into prayer, get back into fasting. Get back into uh, taking some of that entertainment time and investing it in visiting people and talking to people and reaching out to people. When we get serious and we get broken, I think that would be the turning point. But I don't see it coming because um, the 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 whole ambience and the whole atmosphere and the whole ethos within the, the the among Christians today is that they are conforming to the world rather than being transformed. And any suggestion of anything that will Cause them to lose some measure of entertainment, or uh, cause them any the measure of pain. There's little inclination to embrace those kind of things.
0: Push it off as legalistic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but could I? Ma- yeah. Now you ahead. mentioned that. What is shocking, by the way, is that while the Christians are becoming more loose and and more worldly and uh, more inclined uh, uh, towards loose living. Look at the movement that is growing most in the world today, the Muslim movement, but look at how strict they are. Yeah. What? How they dress, how they got to wear the, the, uh, like a head covering. they got to pray five times a day. Uh, th- the world gets sick after a while. Uh, they want something real. That's, and they know that you cannot serve God without some kind of sacrifice. So they're not finding it within the church. So they're moving away from the church and they're going into these extreme groups. And one is shocked, by the way to see some people who have left the church to go and join these organizations because they are looking for some structure in, in their lives. Uh, it's an f- unusual phenomenon that's happening. So the church needs to bring back order and decency and control within the, the, the church setting and get more sober and more serious uh, towards the things of God. And I think when that begins to happen, it becomes a new attraction than what is the norm. Pastor Murphy, last week...
0: I threw out this thought. Wouldn't the Song of Solomon be pornographic? You Christians are just hypocritical. Do you have any other thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I wanted to make a... I I made a a kind of a passing remark in regard to that particular question. I just wanted to... It bothered me greatly that um, uh, thoughts would be coming from people along that line. Let me say this. Pornography is something that's very, very explicit it is salacious and libidinous, and is designed to evoke lust and desire, sexual desires. I would challenge anybody to read the Book of Solomon, and and, and tell me in what way the Book of so- the, the Song of Solomon evokes or um, arouses a person sexually. The Book of Solomon is the, the Song of Solomon is a celebration of marital love. Um, And again, I think it's it's very good that that book is included in the Bible for this reason. Uh, The Church has stayed away from dealing with matters of sexuality for centuries. It has almost given the impression that the sin in the Garden of Eden was sex. Uh, We know it's not biblically, but because it has been uh, so careful and uh, so reluctant to deal with sexual issues... It has caused a lot of young people to go outside the church to find information, and that has led them down the wrong path. Um, I repeat, God gave sex to mankind. As a matter of fact, you know what's the first commandment in the Bible? Multiply? Multiply. In other words, (laughs) the first commandment in the Bible given to man was to have sex, basically, because you can't multiply unless you have sex. But again, remember, that's in the perfect environment. So we must not be embarrassed to talk about sex and and matters about this nature as long as we do it in a very modest and prudent way. Um, So I would just say that the the Song of Solomon really is one of those great books of the Bible that really shows you the marvel and the glory and the... um, the uh, the fact that it's sacros- sacrosanct, this thing called marital uh, marital sex, the other thing is Song of Solomon. Every book in the Bible points to Jesus Christ, and the book of Song of Solomon. When you have this celebration of marriage between a a, a man and a woman, really, is a picture of Christ's love for the church as well. But again, it is um, expressed in uh, in terms. Uh, human terms so that we can kind of grasp the kind of relationship with design it was supposed to, it's supposed to be an intimate relation between ourselves a- and Christ and marriage celebrates that this oneness Paul talks about that in Ephesians chapter uh, 6 when he's talking about husband and wife and he said I speak concerning the church and he's called a mystery uh, that marital relationship was ultimately designed to portray the relation between a believer and Christ so Uh, But I would challenge anybody to read Song of Solomon and and show me where in any way it seemed to be pornographic. It just celebrates this glorious uh, love that a a husband and wife should have uh, between themselves.
0: So you're saying pornography would be more explicit. Yeah. Because there is such a thing as pornographic writings. Correct. uh, That would be more explicit, whereas Song of Solomon is... More vague.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's modest and it's, it, 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 it's, it's terms I express a lot of time in imagery, mm-hmm. uh, poetic language, as opposed to prose that is very, very detailed. As a matter of fact, I would say that. It is only when a a pastor begins to expound and go into the meaning behind the Hebrew, etc., etc., that it becomes very clear how romantic the book itself is. But you can read it for yourself. There is romance there, but there's nothing there that would trigger any kind of sexual arousal in anybody. So it cannot be put on par with pornography.
0: Okay, so as believers, we are convinced that the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, are God's Word. So God has chosen to preserve the Song of Solomon for us, but if I am mentoring a young man who, let's say 14, 15-year-old young man, and I'm encouraging him to begin reading through his Bible on a yearly timetable, or to choose books of the Bible and study it, when is teaching the Song of Solomon appropriate? Where is it not appropriate? Should we be discerning
1: there? you need a sermon in everything you do basically even in um for example you wouldn't recommend a, a young convert 13 14 to get deep into the book of revelations yeah i mean the imagery there unless you know the old testament uh the book of revelations is a mystery until you can unravel the symbolism and the imagery you find there. I think when you come to deal with younger generation, I think the book that you should probably recommend would be the Book of Proverbs. That's a book that deals more with um, everyday life and practical things, et cetera, et cetera. I would not um, recommend... I would recommend the Book of Pro- uh, Song of Solomon, for example, a person who's was engaged, mm-hmm. about to get married, basically. But again, if you read the book itself, I, I think if any young person were to read the book, even fourteen. I don't think that they would be able to decipher uh, the kind of language that is used there. I mean, it is true that this talks about, you know, um, her breasts are like grapes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I mean, if I was a young person, I read that book. I, I don't see any attract. I don't see anything there that would cause me to to lust. Basically,
0: is it overstepping a bounds to discourage someone from reading the Song of Solomon? Would you, is it ever appropriate to discourage someone from reading a book of the Bible? Maybe that's the <laughs> loaded question.
1: <laughs> All I would say is that, um, I, I look, when it comes to a believer, um, ultimately is his relation with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you first come to faith in Christ, you want to understand the Christian faith. And normally you do the book of John, uh, the writings of John, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, generally speaking, most people who are uh, young converts, you bring them into the New Testament because the Old Testament, some of them can't grasp a lot of the principles in the Old Testament. Um, but I would not, I personally would not recommend uh, a 14-year-old boy to, to do that. But again, if he is inclined to do that and he wants to do that, I mean, I had to trust the Holy Spirit to deal with him right. in, in that regard. But um, in guiding young people and mentoring young people, everybody has to make certain sort of selective books to to use, uh, indeed, and I would suggest the, the, the book of Proverbs for sure, uh, et cetera, and then the, the epistles, et cetera. Are there signs that someone may be addicted to pornography? Well, let me just mention a few things quickly um, in terms of what are some of the common uh, signs that you're addicted to pornography. Um, I was, When you continue to use porn despite promising yourself and others that you would stop, but in spite of making all these promises, you keep going back and going back and going back. That is one of the clearest signs that you have lost control and uh, that you are actually a porn addict. And then when you're spending more time on porn use uh, than you did before, um, you, you watch it. Uh, by the way, they, they, they say that you're addict if you're searching between 11 and 12 hours, uh, uh, I think it's per week, uh, um, yes, per week. If you're if you're on porn, eleven to twelve hours per week. That, by definition, psychologists say that you are addicted. So that would be one of the measures that you can use. Uh, another one is if you need to increase the intensity of the type of sexual content that you view. So you started watching um, soft porn. Now you need something heavier and heavier and deeper and deeper. You need uh, um, sadomasochistic sex. Um, sex to, to, to simulate you. So it's getting worse. You you want something more, something more, something more extreme. That's a sign as well. And then, um, when you have to lie about it, to cover up nature, and the extent of your porn, uh, when lying, it becomes natural that if somebody asks you about it, you just um, respond, no, I'm not. But you know that you're deliberately doing. So if lying has become a habit, uh, that's another sign. And then, when you get angry or irritable, if somebody asks you, have you stopped watching porn? And now it irritates you that people would, would come to those kind of questions. And then another thing is when you lose interest in the sexual relationship with your spouse or your partner, um, when that begins to happen, that that is a clear sign, the really intuitive fact that you really, you would prefer to watch it than to actually be engaged with your partner. And then uh, feeling alone and detached from others and withdrawing yourself because you find comfort now in, uh, in the um, pornography. And then when you start using drugs and alcohol in conjunction with porn because of the guilt complex you have and the isolation that has driven a wedge between you and your partner, now you find comfort in your loneliness and now you've got a lonely body, you use, you, you use drugs. And then the other thing I would say is when you begin to objectify strangers, in other words, when you meet a woman all you see is her body parts you don't see her as a person you don't see her as a a, a, a daughter or a mother or a wife she's just objects object basically yeah. if those are nine things that if you were to just take those collective items together uh, you can write over your name or under your heading addicted
0: i came across a statistic today and it reminded me of a discussion i recently overheard an educator, uh, primary school level here in Antigua. This educator was saying that, sharing some accounts of seven and eight-year-old school children coming to school with pornographic material and being asked, where did you get that? And they said, I got it from my parents. I got it from my parents' house. Nine, according to Barner Research Group, and a study also done by the London School of Economics, nine out of ten children between ages eight and 16 have viewed pornography on the Internet.
1: That shouldn't shock you. That shouldn't shock me either because this is norm. Look, um, 90%. Yeah. Look, we've lost innocence. Children have lost innocence. That is completely gone. Um, I remember I was dealing with, um, I don't want to give out too much information, but I was talking to a student one time, this is a primary student um, in our school (laughs) and uh, she was having some problems and I was chatting with her and I discovered that when her mom is watching television um, she is there with her mom her mom falls asleep and she is watching television one o'clock in the morning sometimes Uh, I got the shock of my life I couldn't believe that a parent uh, would allow the child and I, I can say this if you have cable television, you do not have to subscribe to an adult channel. Periodically, they put pornography on on those things. And depending on if you are a person that stay up late at night and you're going through the channels, I would say to you that it's very, very possible that you will that come up. You didn't pay for it. You didn't order it. But this is one of the way the cable television people are trying to get you addicted to it, so they expose it to you. Now, imagine children having access to that uh, as well. So that doesn't really surprise me.
0: And then another one other statistic about children and online. One in seven children who use the Internet have been sexually solicited over the Internet. Just a warning to parents that are... Giving your children or your young people phones or technology or even access just to the family computer, that there are dangers out there. Even if your child is not out seeking those dangers, the world that we live in, there are a lot of those dangers headed their direction. Yeah,
1: I, I think I said last week: giving your child uh, a computer, a cell phone that has access to the internet is giving your child like a loaded gun. Uh, it's just just as dangerous. It will destroy his moral life, and uh, if you're not careful, um, I I keep saying to parents, go back to when you were 13, 14, and 15, and think of how lustful you were at that stage. Now, what what you had and you were exposed to as a parent at that age is nothing to compare with this generation. They got the real stuff at the fingertips, and we have been facilitating that. As parents, and we're going to be held accountable to God, uh, and part of the reason why we 've done that because well, Mommy, uh, the other children have it, so does your child have to have it too? See so I think that parents have to understand they have a greater responsibility today to try to safeguard the exposure because it is real, and uh, they need to put checks in places to avoid uh, the children being exposed to this kind this level of pornography
0: is porn the problem, or is lust the problem
1: well. <laughs> I think I used an illustration last time that the problem really is that what porn does is to pull out the lustful natures within us. Um, we have a, we're sexual beings. We're fallen sexual beings. Our, our whole concept of, 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 of morality is twisted. When there is something that triggers that evil within, it pulls out what is there. So I would say that uh, pornography is more the symptom than it is the disease. The disease is our fallen nature. It's our lust that is within us that pornography appeals to. Uh, I think that's the real problem,
0: Pastor. Are there any other things that you want to add to our discussion from last week? Maybe effects of pornography before we move on to another topic.
1: Yeah, I want to um, share some things with you in connection with the the the, the porn, and I want to talk a little bit about some of the effects that it has uh, on people. I did mention some of it uh, last week, but let me just rush down, run down the list for just a moment. Um, one of the effects it has is that it cheapens sex, no question about that. It makes sex something entirely physical. It doesn't make, understand that sex is something relational between two people who have a, a bond, a monogamous bond that is permanent. When you are... Engage in pornography, it, it just makes sex as something that is recreational. Um, it is entirely self-centered, and it leads to all kinds of fantasies, and it, it creates a new an appetite. Um, the other thing it, it, I, I, we mentioned is it objectifies people. It cheapens who we see people when we see people. We don't see a mom, we don't see a daughter, we don't see a friend. We see somebody that uh, can satisfy our carnal desires, and uh, we see the persons purely in terms of their body context, not in terms of their personality and who they really are. The other thing is that it uh, it, it damages your self-esteem. And what I mean by that is women, in particular, um, um, they have problems with their how they view their body, how, how they see the model of their body, when uh, they can see this kind of thing on uh, uh, um, in pornography. Uh, the other thing is that it harms the young. Um, a person's, a young person's concept, attitude towards sex, it develop, if developed by pornography, uh, you can see the long-term effect it's going to have on that, how it's going to damage their thinking about what sex is all about. Uh, and I don't have to say to you that it undermines marriage, Definitely undermines marriage. Research has shown that the majority of those who have compulsive uh, porn habits are married men. And it has also shown that it destroys and damages the imp- intimacy between the couple partners once it is known by the other partner that somehow um, their spouse is involved in some kind of pornography. As I mentioned, once women learn that, they feel rejected, they get angry, they feel humiliated, they lose trust in their partner. And the other thing is they feel a sense of inadequacy. In other words, why would he prefer porn to me? What does the person who is performing there acting out, what does that person have that I don't have? So, And and then, um, as I mentioned last time, it's one of the key factors in early impotence. Uh, erectile dysfunction, uh, I mentioned, is rapidly increasing. And part of the reason for that is the exposure to pornography. You need something more um, salacious, more rabid, something more extreme now to stimulate. Normal sex is no longer normal. uh, And that in itself causes people to lose interest, and that uh, affects the marital relationship and and the married life.
0: From a biblical worldview, what should our view be of
1: sexuality? Well, if you want to... look at it from the biblical point of view. Let me give you a perspective, a perspective of, um, of how God, Bible views sexuality. First thing is that, let's face that God made human beings sexual beings. Uh, we didn't invent it. Man didn't invent it. This is something that how we were created is in our very nature. That's why a man feels attracted to a woman and a woman feels attracted to a man. Uh, God in his design uh, imprinted in man uh, this sexual And then not only is man uh, human being, sexual beings, but sex, remember, is an invention of God. It is something that is sacred and, and sacrosanct, something that God has made uh, to bond two people together. Thirdly, God has restricted sex within a monogamous hetero, uh, heterosexual marriage. We know that. Fourthly, the entrance of sin into this world distorted uh, the sexual act, and now we have abuse and we have the misuse of sex. You find that in Romans chapter 1, um, verse 24 to 25. Uh, generally, the Bible maintains that there should be modesty towards human sexuality.
0: Pastor, let me interrupt you for just sure. a minute. We've got a caller on the line from Antigua. Go ahead. Good night,
2: Pastor Murphy.
1: Good night, sir.
2: Good night to uh, your host and to the listeners.
1: Good, good
2: evening. Pastor Mercer, have been listening to you for past few weeks, right? And I made a contribution some weeks ago, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling people to listen to you on Tuesday night, okay? Thank you. Because what I find in you and what I believe, right, that you're really bringing biblical explanation and perspective to the people, right? I believe you have a good enough understanding and explaining the scripture, right? This is the thing about pornography tonight. Mm-hmm. I just hope when they replay it on Thursday night, right? That a lot of people listen. those who didn't hear it tonight, okay? I hope a lot of them listen because as far as I'm concerned, Pastor Murphy, you're spot on tonight, Pastor Murphy, with the thing about por- pornography, right? Now, when you come to Romans chapter one, when you hear people saying that um, God destroyed Saddam Agamara because of um, the sin of homosexuality, right? I usually tell people read the entire text because homosexuality was prevalent. Yes, but there is a slew of sins God God said because of those things why He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So if they're going to just take out homosexuality or lesbianism, right, mm-hmm. and say God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of that, they're going to be very wrong. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's a whole slew of sins within that same Romans chapter one that that those who do these things. God gave up some of them to reprobate mine. Okay? okay. Finally Pastor Murphy. Remember, um, um King Solomon, right? Remember why God um and him fell out, right? Even though God allowed him to have many wives, because he went outside with the rule of God and married to goddesses. Like one goddess named Astareth, who not of the children of Israel. So the sexual sin spread wide and broad. And what I realize is, Pastor Murphy, you see the sexual sin, fornication, adultery, and so on? I can write a book about it. i done that. That is the most detrimental sin according to the human flesh, apart from the unpardonable sin, which is blasphemy, right? Mm-hmm. That sin there is a double whammy. Because if you tell a lie, you can't get you my STD, like gonorrhea, herpes, and so on. Mm-hmm. If you're drunk, you can't get those. But if you commit that sin there, when you set to free, you can't get all those things plus. Is a double good program. Good information. Keep on. God
1: bless, Thank, Thank, you. God bless you. Thank you for the call. Let me make one comment to the uh, in addition to what the authors uh, the the college just said. Um, it is true that it's not exclusively um, the destruction of and Gomorrah was because of um, sodomy. Uh, but that is, the, that is where ultimately the perversion of sex ultimately leads. It's like in our society we've had a lot of fornication adultery uh, for many many years but as we get worse and worse and worse it now comes to the point where we have lesbians where we have not that we didn't have them before but they become so emboldened now um, one Seening of the gr- openly. Yeah, so not, one of the staggering things about the if you if you go to your concordance in the Old Testament and check up Sodom and Gomorrah and the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah one of the things that would strike you is that God said that he destroyed them also because of their pride it's very significant that it's all uh, gay pride day. Yeah. It reached to the point now where uh, they don't care about what God, the norms that God has set, the morality. Uh, this is man being man, doesn't need God. This is man expressing his pride. and it's, it's, it's done in a very nefarious way because you can't conceive how people who are practicing perversion yet could feel pride. But yet, this is this is the, what God tells you happens as people be, de, become degraded and people go further and further away from God. They reach to the point where it doesn't matter, and the fact that I can do this uh, shows me that I, I have the right to do it, and therefore I have nobody to condemn me. So it's not surprising that uh, today we've got the same attitude to the same form of perversion— That the Bible condemns and abominates in the Old Testament. That's a shocker to me, but I think you're right about it. It's not just that Solomon committed. In other words, Sodom and Gomorrah were not just. The sin was not exclusively sodomy, but those other sins eventually led to this. This was the height of their apostasy away from God, etc.
0: You're listening to That's Truth. Pastor Murphy is sharing. The biblical answers, what the Bible has to say about pornography and how it affects society. For the individual who is struggling with pornography, how can the individual overcome the battle with pornography?
1: Last time I shared with you uh, certain steps that could be taken to help to deal with the problem of pornography. I think one of the key things I mentioned is the fact that you're going to have to um, shut off the sewage. In other words, if the sewage is coming into your mind and it's, it's, it's affecting your mind, you're going to have to make up your mind that you have to do away with the pornography. Now what is causing it? What's what is, what is your, what's the instrument that is the main means of exposing you to pornography? Is it your cell phone? Is it your computer? Is it the smutty books that you're reading? Uh, I, I don't. Is it the is it the cable television? I am not too sure where the sewage is coming into your mind. But I am saying to you, you could never hope to move away from your problem uh, of addiction to this matter unless you are prepared to take that drastic step of of cutting off the sewage and and, and turning off the spigot. The other thing is this: your mind has now been um, in it has now been ingrained in your mind. Uh, this thing been bombarding your mind for such a considerable length of time that your mind needs transformation. The only thing that can transform your mind is the Word of God. So you're going to have to have a daily diet of God's Word. So you're cutting off the sewage, and now you're trying to rebuild patterns in your mind and rebuild order in your mind, and it takes the Word of God to do that. Now, of course, you're going to have prayer because you, you, you can't be consistent. In reading the scriptures and dealing with a problem of this nature, without having uh, your prayer life in order as well, you have to put that in order. And then you need you need um, a person to, that you can hold you accountable, uh, an accountability partner. You need somebody you, you can trust, that somebody you can download with and say, "Listen, I'm, I'm struggling, I need help." But you need somebody that you can that w- would not in any way. Um, Share the private information you've given with somebody else they must be able to hold confidence uh you need that person who can on a regular basis whatever agreement you made uh look I want you to check on me every day I want you to check on me every two days and you have to give that person the right to call you check on you, and say, listen, uh dave um i'm i'm uh, you know you've you've asked me to fulfill this responsibility uh did you? Turned to pornography this week. What did he do? Uh, that has you have to have that person constantly until you gain the victory. And by the way, it's going to take about six weeks of consistently doing this this dealing with these matters before you can ever have deliverance. So it takes some time, and that's why you need an accountability partner to help you in this matter. Then, if you have a prayer group, it depends on on how how. Um, <laughs> This is one of the great problems in the church by the way you share something that's intimate with this before you know it, it's in the marketplace so you don't know who to trust you don't know, you're struggling with something you need help you need you need a, um, you need a group of people to pray for you but you're afraid of downloading this because it might become public knowledge. It's unfortunate that we have those kind of situations, but I know they're very, very real in the church. But if you could have a few people praying for you, maybe even not be specific, you've got a a problem, an addiction, whatever it is, and would you make me uh, a target of prayer, regular prayer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I think those basic things uh, would assist you and then if you've got your, your your pastor that you can go in and you can talk to, uh, if your wife, if you're married and she's a godly woman um, and you could share this problem with her and lean on her shoulder to ask you to help you and wean you through this process, um, that would be a great asset as well in, in in as far as this is concerned. I think those five things, if you put those into operation, would help you in this regard. But listen, you are going to probably trip again, you're going to have to repent and go back to the Lord until you gain the victory. This thing is not going to happen um, by any a snap of the finger. There are people who are delivered immediately from, from things like smoking, alcohol when they get saved. There are other people who struggle. It's a mystery why some are so easily delivered and others have to struggle through the whole process. So you're saying
0: don't read spiritual your level of spirituality into whether you continue to struggle with...
1: No, yeah. you, as a matter of fact, the fact that you're struggling is one of the greatest signs that God is working in your life, to be very honest with you. Uh, the, the, the desire to break this habit is there. Clearly, the Lord is working in your life. But you can't measure people's success and the rate of their success and make that the standard for you. We are all different in that regard. And that's why um, I meet people, I've met people there who told me that they used to smoke. Two or three packs of cigarettes a day. Then they got saved and never had a desire again. I've had people who said, "Listen, I struggle and struggle, and maybe mm-hmm. after a year I broke the habit." God is different. God deals with us different, but He is working in our lives. And as long as we we desire to go in the direction that God is—in other words, we're moving away from the flesh towards the spirit—that's the direction of change. And sometimes it requires the help of others uh, to to make that achievement.
0: I was reading today and I got discouraged when I came across this statistic, just thinking, how is there hope? Is there any way that we can change society? 67% of those that are 18 to 26 year old men, 67% of them in the United States believe that viewing pornography is acceptable. Two thirds of young men in the United States believe that it's acceptable and that's in the secular world how do we change this how that's a sign of a society that's
1: it's a decadent society and it's a society that all the signs that God is I don't want to say abandoning America but America is under divine judgment Um, uh, I, I feel that the only way we can have a change in society is not to look to government Government can't solve the problem. We need revival. And the only way we're going to get revival is when God's people become so broken that we cry out before God and we're willing to make whatever sacrifice is required, uh, whether that requires prayer and fasting and weeping before God, because we've got so much to confess before God. Uh, but until we are broken and brought to the point of repentance, And the Holy Spirit who has been grieved uh, now can see that we are deeply serious about complete renovation and renewal and regeneration and revival. I don't see any hope for planet Earth outside a Holy Spirit revival. Remember that America was saved for the French Revolution. The same kind of catastrophe of the French Revolution because of the Wesleys and the revival that they brought along with uh, Whitfield. America itself has been to a revival under the Wesleys and Whitfield and um, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, every time there has been a, a revival, in whether it be Wales or whether it be Scotland, whether it be America, whatever it is, there has been a transformation in the moral life of the people. That is the answer to the problem. Today, we're too much dependent on looking on the government to solve these kind of problems. These are spiritual problems that the church should be in the the vanguard of leading to this, but it requires revival, brokenness, repentance, and uh, calling upon God to visit us again with His Holy Spirit. We have a caller on the line calling from Nevis. Go ahead.
2: Yes, good evening. Good evening. Yeah, I... I fell over a situation where, uh, in church, in church setting, there are uh, males who take pictures of their uh, sexual organ and send it to sisters in the church. I want to know if that's pornography.
1: Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. It is designed to st- stimulate sexual interests. And to arouse um, sexuality. So clearly, uh, by the way, I I find it difficult to believe that that could happen within the church. I hope your church disciplines those people, and I don't think people like that really belong to the church.
2: Well, it's not my church, but I've heard of it in another church.
1: Okay, right.
2: where where this goes on?
1: Yeah, but that would be porn for sure. It's like I exposing my body and putting on the internet for people to view it. What am What am I doing that for? Uh, I'm trying to get women interested in me, in my body, et cetera, et cetera. So that is born for sure. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that call uh, from the gentleman from Nevis. Uh, 64% of men in the U.S. admit to viewing pornography at least monthly, with the number of Christian men nearly equaling that average.
1: That gives you an idea of the state of the church. The church and this world are basically on the same moral level. And that's the dilemma we find ourselves in. And let me say why it is happening. A lot of the preaching in our churches globally is not expository preaching dealing with with biblical issues. The church has now reached the point where the whole thing is about entertainment. Uh, It's about numbers. It's about building mega, mega churches, giving the people what they want. And I would like to make one other thing. I'm not trying to support now the the Seventh-day Adventists, uh, etc., etc., because I don't believe that a person is saved by keeping the law. But I think we need to start again preaching law. Remember that you can only know sin by the law. Uh, The Bible makes that quite clear. You can only know guilt by the law. If you check all the great evangelists of the past, you will find that part of this series of messages is that they preach On uh, having no other God they preach on no should not steal in other words they brought the moral law upon the conscience of the congregation and that brought about transformation we can never change this generation by just preaching uh, a message of love we've got to understand that they will not know what sin is will never feel the sense of guilt and never feel the need of Christ until they understand that by breaking the law of God they're under condemnation. And I think in a lot of our churches, we've gotten away from that, and consequently, we are in a moral state that we're in. We're in a terrible dilemma, and only God can rescue us.
0: have a WhatsApp that came in from Antigua, and we've got about a minute left in the program. I heard a Christian who is currently married say that he uses a book for sexual positions to spice up his sexual experience with his wife. What
1: would you say to that, Pastor? I look. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. I don't. I don't know what um, book the guy is reading, etc., etc. But if he is watching the book for sure and are positions in the book, that is porn. So he's using porn in order to um, get a greater stimulation within his marital relationship. Uh, I I would say to you that let me say the wives when you see your husband is trying to introduce something that is not customary may I ask you to think deeply that he's probably on a porn trip and you need to question him about that
0: thanks for listening to That's Truth let's be honest uh, a very high percentage of us as living human beings will at some point be tempted as a result of pornographic material that's out there in the world that we live in whether we go out seeking it, it's all around us in the world that we live, especially around carnival time. Make sure that you stay tuned and you tune in next week as we discuss another topic of another addiction that is very prevalent here in the Caribbean and around the world. That's the topic of gambling. Thanks again for your interaction tonight on That's Truth. Thank you for joining us for today's program.